1: Here are your
2: hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Mark Durkin. Well, good evening and thank you for joining us here on Education Nation. I'm your Headmaster and host, Rebecca Hagstrom, and it's a privilege to join you this Saturday evening here on AM 1280 The Patriot. We're going to be discussing a school subject today that at first mention might actually strike our listeners as being irrelevant in 21st century America. But we're talking about the study of Latin language in the classroom.
0: That's correct, Rebecca. This will be a very informative show today. And when you think of speaking Latin, it doesn't rank at the top of people's minds as a language to study, especially in light of immigration patterns that we're seeing here. But the academic benefits... Are simply amazing. And we have a wonderful guest joining us this morning who will help us see why Latin curriculum is advantageous to your child's education.
2: Exactly. And here today, joining us on the program to discuss this ancient language and why it remains relevant today, is Stephen Hoopscher. Welcome, Stephen.
1: Thank you, Rebecca.
2: Let's start by talking a little bit about the history of Latin. Oh, um, no, Rebecca, you're going
1: you're gonna to just kill it already. I can just hear it. Latin, Latin, as dead as it can be. First it killed the Romans, and now it's killing Romans. Oh, it is so great. I think
2: you are got to say that one more time for our listeners. Can you say that one again? That's hilarious.
1: Latin, Latin, as dead as it can be. First it killed the Romans, and now it's killing me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I hope the students at Liberty don't have that memorized. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> no, that is hilarious. Because, But that is our first notion, is it's a dead language. Why would we ever study it? And yet we know that Latin helps make up two-thirds of the vocabulary of modern English, including French and Spanish and Italian. So even though Latin is not spoken as an active language today, could you give a general overview? View as to why Latin is a key language in today's modern English.
1: Well, as you mentioned there, from the even from a simple vocabulary um, perspective, it is a lot of our words are related to Latin, and if you have a a grasp of the of what they mean in Latin, it will give you a, a better grasp of the English vocabulary and be able to pick up new words and concepts whether you're doing medicine or theology or or working in the legal field, mm-hmm. a lot of different areas,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Um, mm-hmm. that it can help you, or just reading good books.
2: Yeah, yeah. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later uh, in our show as well. We're going to probably get down into a little bit more of the examples of some of those things. But um, the development of Latin... Um, Uh, the foundation of it do you can you tell us why why did we end up with latin at the foundation of french and spanish and italian
1: well you have to understand that the roman empire was around for a thousand years 500 as the um before the empire and then 500 as the empire Mm -hmm. and um and so they they and they were with so widespread over Europe, where mm-hmm. our historical roots are as a culture, mm-hmm. and so um, they influenced all of the nations that developed into the modern European nations. Okay, uh, even our English alphabet um, adopted the Roman alphabet mm-hmm. beginning
0: in the eight hundreds, so the ninth century. Interesting. What's interesting about that too is we actually have a few more letters than. The original alphabet is that correct? How did that come about?
1: That's correct, and those things. Uh, some of them were were borrowed from the Greeks. the The Romans themselves borrowed Y and Z from the Greeks, hmm. and um, then in the uh, Middle Ages, the, the and the Renaissance, scholars introduced the letter J, and um, and then the letters U and W uh, hmm. to cover some of the sounds that were um, used for double letters in in uh, in Latin.
2: Oh, interesting. Okay. See, that's really interesting to me. I would have had no idea that... um, So it was basically almost a simplification. They were doing one letter in place of two in Latin, so they had to develop these new letters. Is that right?
0: That's right. Okay. And then, of course, later on, we're going to be talking about how there's actually more meaning in much of the Latin language with fewer words. So that would make right. sense about the alphabet. That
2: would make sense, wouldn't it? Exactly. Well, um, I know that our listeners are probably learning already. We've only been, like, five minutes into this show, and I've already learned several things about uh, why Latin is important. Um, and so we're going to take a little bit of a break here, and we're going to shift gears Um and we're going to look at what the immigration patterns, are, or understanding what the immigration patterns are here in the U.S., um, which are heavily concentrated with peoples that speak Spanish and Arabic. Um, we're going to answer the question of why we would continue advertising Latin in school curriculum. Um, we'll discuss the benefits of Latin today. So stay tuned. We
0: And welcome back to Education Nation. I am your co-host, Mark Durkin, and today we are talking about the ancient Latin language. And despite the fact it is not actively spoken today, its influence and benefit is felt across much of Western civilization.
2: That's right, Mark. And many subjects that are studied in American schools today are actually filled with the Latin language. Stephen Hoopcher is here with us this morning to help us understand the priceless influence of Latin in the classroom. So earlier in this segment uh, today Stephen, you mentioned that Latin is connected to the medical field, the the scientific field, the legal field um, several others, technological and theological fields. So why don't you talk a little bit about that with us and give us some examples.
1: You know, last year when I was at in the, at the doctor's office with one of my kids and I was talking with the doc and they mentioned how glad they were that they had studied Latin for 2 years when they were I think in high school or junior high
2: Wow, that's great. Yeah. Huh.
1: And they said it just really helped them a lot with with this matter of vocabulary and be able to pick up and know what the uh, what the different terms were and what things right. were being spoken about. Right.
2: That's so great.
1: Did you want some examples, Rebecca? Yeah,
2: that would be great. I would love to hear some of the examples. Well, yeah. think
1: about the word intravenous. Mm-hmm. There's okay. a there's a combination of two words. Mm-hmm. It means in the vein, and that's right out of Latin. Intra okay. and venous. Okay. So you would say that. In, okay. Do, there's different Latin dialects. which
2: would be the vein. We would pronounce that venous, but you're right. saying that the proper would be in Latin, venous. Right. Okay. Okay. That is very interesting because when you stop and think about that, intra. We have that at the beginning of many of our English words. So if you know that intra means in, then you know that you can help or help you understand other words that maybe you've never heard before that have that same beginning. Right. Correct? Yeah. Why don't you give us some more examples? Uh,
1: And you need to realize that in, in medical field, most of the stuff is abbreviated. Sure. Today. Sure. Okay. So I mean, now in human anatomy, we'd ha- we'd have things like femur, fibula, mm-hmm. radius, tibia, yeah, all, now, all those yeah. bones. But
2: those are all Latin,
1: right? Interesting. Um, like, and for abbreviations, you would you, you might have they might write um, on a prescription or in your chart notes "AC"
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, antikibum uh, before food or before you eat.
2: Okay. Interesting.
1: Um, or "bib" b i b period, short for Bibe, uh which is like "bibo" I drink. Okay. D E B, alt for DA bus alternus every other day. Wow. And so on. Okay. Yeah. If you want to see a ton of them, go and look on Wikipedia. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, and actually I used to work as a speech pathologist over at St. Paul Ramsey Hospital, which is now Regions. And um, I used some of those, uh, um, whatever what were you calling them? The the abbreviations, I guess. I used some of those. And when I wrote in the charts and I knew what they meant but I did not know that they had the Latin I didn't know the Latin background on them and how much more they would have made sense to me if I would have known what they really represented <laughs> I think right. the
0: common thing here too that we're seeing as a theme is just how much meaning again you can pack in in just a few abbreviations or words
2: Yes yeah that is really astounding to me so that's the medical give us some examples from some of these other realms the scientific realm or technological you you pick it.
1: <laughs> well, in the you know, the science, I mean there's multiple realms there yeah. areas, right? Uh-huh. Um but if we look at biology, mm-hmm. um, biology uses what what would be the formal name would be binomial or binary mm-hmm. nomenclature. So giving two two Latin names to a living creature okay. or mm-hmm. organism. Mm-hmm. Um, so for people, of course, it's homo sapiens mm-hmm. um and which which includes the the genus and then the species mm-hmm. names, mm-hmm. uh both of which by the way, genus and species are both Latin words they are too yeah, wow <laughs> <laughs> so um you know if you looked at uh in mammals, if you looked at the weasel family, for instance the the genus would be uh, Mustelidae, um but that includes not only. Weasels. It would include also mink and otters and skunks. Okay, um, interesting. And the the in, especially with plants, uh, this system of giving uh, two Latin names, this um, binomial or binary nomenclature, was developed by Carl Linnaeus, uh, which he and he published it in 1753 in his book um, Species Planetarum. Now he wasn't the first one to come up with this, but he was the one who really developed it and popularized it and made it the Let's call it the industry standard. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, we mentioned uh, the legal field, and there, uh, in, in um, our, our our legal tradition, um, really goes back to the common law tradition, um, which goes back centuries in England to mm-hmm. English common law. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, the um, there's a lot of legal terms that over the centuries have been used. So um, some of the ones, um, if you've been um, a foster parent, you'd probably heard the term guardian mm-hmm. ad litem. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, ad litem yes. means for the suit. Um, for so the suit. For the suit.
2: What do you think that that, why, why would that have been just because they're taking like care the of lawsuit. the- Like so okay. oh, okay, for, for the lawsuit. So a guardian Oh, okay, for the lawsuit. Okay. Okay, for this case. Okay, yeah. this case. okay. Yeah. okay. Interesting. know it makes so much more sense when you know the meaning behind it. It does. Yeah. I know one of the words, this is one of my few Latin words that I know. I remember this from when my kids were studying their vocabulary way back, um, is shepherd, is pastor in Latin. And it gave me such a different perspective on what a pastor is or should be um, when you understand that the word pastor means shepherd and shepherd is pastor. Pastor, you know, and and I just thought, wow, it just fulfills the meaning so much more to know the Latin background of the word, and that was something that we talked about as well earlier when we were discussing Latin. Um, the three of us, you talked about how it really helps the students gain a historical perspective on their lives. Um, And uh, Well, and actually, Mark, I know that you had a couple points that you wanted to make, too. Right. We had
0: mentioned earlier, too, that how Spanish and Arabic might be the languages of choice uh, to really learn, given the immigration patterns we're seeing here in the 21st century. You know, Stephen, do you see how the study of those modern foreign languages, could there be an exclusion factor with Latin because of that? and other core classical languages, and if so, can that undermine or begin to replace our understanding of the history of Western civilization?
1: Mark, I think that's, you know, I I think there's a lot of truth to that. I think that Latin, learning Latin uh, for us is really bound up with history, and people who forget what their roots are, where they've come from, what their past is, they really lose a lot of their future. And when Latin was dropped largely from for, from school curricula in the last few decades, people th- – it was commonly said, well, let's just replace it with a modern foreign language that people – that we can use here that will be practical for the kids and easier. Why not do something that's easier instead of so hard like Latin? It's just wasting all this time. But um, – and you mentioned um, Spanish and Arabic. And so if we take these – uh, I think that somebody working in the, let's say, the hospitality industry would really need to know or be helped by knowing uh, Spanish and Arabic because, uh, as it's well known, the hospitality industry is heavily reliant on uh, immigrant labor. But what we're talking about in that case is a job skill, and jobs change, and so do the skills needed for them. Mm-hmm. And that's Good different. Point. Yeah. Good point. The, the, that's different from having an understanding of one's life that takes into account the, the historical context of our present existence, mm-hmm. so in in other words, Latin can help contribute to seeing the big picture of how and why things are the way they are. Uh, again, it's not magic uh, taking a little taking some Latin isn't going to fix everything for you, uh, but when you work at it over time in combination with other core elements that comprise a good education, they help a person to f- figure out who they are. Mm -hmm. Why they're here. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the best way to live their lives, given the opportunities that they have. And at Liberty, we think those kinds of questions are important Mm -hmm. to our our kids.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're
0: talking about empathizing, too. So when you understand the thought of people in centuries past, I mean, those are kind of the building blocks to help us understand society and where it's at today and why Mm -hmm. it's there today.
1: Mm -hmm. Mark, uh, you know, if you can... Go back and read some of those things that the people said in their own words. And we can't. We have, we have thousands of documents uh, from, from those times. We can read what, what husbands wrote when their wives died. We can read what wives wrote when their kids died. Uh, we can write, read all these different things, and it can help us to see a lot of things on how people were in some ways the same as us but as I point out to my class, it can also help us to see areas where it's, it's different, where mm-hmm. their expectations of dying and their reasons for wanting to die and their expectations for life after death could be very different uh, than, than depending on what one's religious beliefs are f- mm-hmm. from from now.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you make a good point that I hadn't really stopped to consider that if Latin just gets left behind, then we really do lose an entire element of our historical background. And, you know, we always talk about at Liberty how we want to use primary documents in history. And we're actually going to read the Constitution as it was written. We're going to read what Thomas Jefferson said. We're going to read what the Federalist Papers say. We, we're going to go all the way back and read the Magna Carta. Um, but, but you make a good point that without the knowledge of Latin, there'd be so many documents that you couldn't even possibly... Understand, and so then we lose that primary doc, uh, document that really gives you an insight as to exactly what they thought. Rather than you're you're more subjected then to an author saying, "Well, this is what they thought during those times." Well, if you and that's can't true. Read when, what was like actually Nothing like being said, able to
1: go back and read it for yourself yeah. and say, "No, that's not what that person said," because yes. I went and read it. Right. Yeah, in, in the West, our culture is put together from from Christian religion and the Greek way of thinking, history, and Roman government. And you need Hebrew and Greek and Latin for all of that. Yeah. Now, we're taking a key part of that with Latin that picks up on a lot of this and has been very uh, important for our history.
2: That is That is really a good point.
0: And I, I would imagine of course that the importance of being able to understand documents historically is greatly aided by the fact that in Latin you're reading much more slowly and the wording is much more important and we're going to talk more about that and much more when we come back in segment three on this morning's edition of Education Nation Stay tuned we don't need no education.
1: We don't need no thoughts control.
2: Well, welcome back to Education Nation, where we have Stephen Hoopschner from Liberty Classical Academy in studio with us. Stephen is our middle school Latin teacher at Liberty, and we are talking with him about the importance of Latin and the value of Latin um, in a school setting. And right before the break, Mark, you brought up the fact that um, we tend to read Latin more slowly because there's a lot of meaning packed into that. And it's interesting because with the English language, it's such a word order dependent language. And so you mentioned earlier too, Stephen, that it's, it's a difficult language to learn. And one of the reasons why it's difficult is because it isn't word order dependent the way we are used to with English. And so it's getting, it's, it's definitely taxing and challenging to a child's, uh, cognition, And it's it's good for them to have to study this. Uh, so tell us a little bit about how you do this. I know that you aren't the one responsible for teaching Latin at the lower school level at Liberty. But you know a lot about how it's done and the importance of memorization and such in the teaching of Latin. Tell us about that with the lower school.
1: Well, our lower school program, like you say, does do a lot of memorizing of uh, Latin words and of of Conjugations and verb charts and and so on. Uh, think of in in um, a, a pronoun chart that we would do in English would be I, you, he, she, it, we, you, they. Mm-hmm. Well, they do a lot of chart learning mm-hmm. for for Latin.
2: And I'm going to just interrupt you right there because if I was a listener right now, I'd think, "Oh my gosh, are you kidding me?" For lower school kids, that sounds so boring. But you know what? it's not done in rote memorization way. It is done with songs and chants like we so often do in the lower school in learning other pieces of information. So you might hear them do that, those endings that you just said in a very quick chant. Um, they might have some actions with it as we so often do. Um, I, I know that the lower school Latin teacher makes it very interesting and engaging and exciting for the kids, right?
1: Well, I know that my my son uh, certainly enjoys what what he's doing with Latin. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's great. So you said that it's divided into two parts, and um, you mentioned one part. What was the other part? Did I catch? Did I miss that? Oh,
1: the the other part would be in the middle school that I oh right. I teach.
2: Okay, okay.
0: You know, I have a question too. You know, as far as the lower school program, you know, words like grass, park, milk. I mean, these are words that are predominantly given to us from the Germanic language, which makes a, a quarter. Uh, of modern English. Yes, and really, English is in its base,
1: it's a Germanic, one of the Germanic languages.
0: Right, and I think what's fascinating, you think of these simpler words and they're being learned by students at such a young age, does Latin memorization, I mean, which helps make up two-thirds of modern English, does it complement or does it hinder the dual development of the simple vocabulary that we learn uh, just being Americans?
1: Well, Mark, you know, I'm not a child psychologist,
0: but (laughs) uh,
1: I, I don't know
0: that that matters because when I mean, would there be to, confusion i guess is what i'm saying
1: I, you know i mean these these are but these are english words now mm-hmm. i mean the, a lot of these words that are already here in our vocabulary right so i look at it that as far as learning the latin and memorizing this that you're learning to to set up a different category in your mind that there's other things That we don't normally do in English, and here's another way of communicating, and it's something that you didn't know before. And you have to create this whole space um, or category in your own mind for saying, oh, well, here's how we do it in English. But over here, now I'm learning, this is something else called Latin. Mm -hmm. And once you've got that that ability to do that and you realize, oh, there's this other world or these other ways of doing things, then – anybody around me ever does it, it helps you to see and to be able to appreciate people in different places or different times doing things differently than we do.
2: And actually, I think that, you know, as I'm thinking about this question, Mark, um, generally speaking, what we what we know about learning of languages is that uh, the younger the person that's learning, the less likely there is to be that confusion. Um, And that's where, you know, kids who are growing up in dual language homes, they're picking up on both of those languages. Now, they might develop both of them a little bit more slowly than a child who's only learning one language. But they do learn them much more quickly and easily the younger they are. And so having them learn a language in lower school is going to be really beneficial to them. And especially when there's so much crossover, I mean, that's what I what I'm hearing you say is that so much of the Latin vocabulary that they'd be learning in the lower school is actually part of our English language anyway, and so just it gives them a better understanding of kind of the background of those words and and where they the deeper meaning. Would you agree with that? I'm talking to you. Stephen. Oh, sure. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: I had a question for you, too, Stephen. You know, you are working in the middle school program. You know, what's your role in the program, and what uh, do the students uh, learn uh, to do with the Latin, even at the middle school level?
1: Well, so at the middle school level there, my job is to take and, and to put everything together and to make this really come together and work in their mind. So I want them and I help them to learn to read and understand Latin in Latin. So they be able to pick up a Latin text and be able to read it, and without translating every word into English, to be able to come away and understand what's going on in that text and what it's saying. Then, uh, as part of that, then, as they get better, the the, the more, after they've been taken for a couple of years, especially to, then, uh, we were talking about the reading slower, and to be the, the point is to be able to read carefully and to say, now let's look at this text here, and what is it actually saying in context? Mm-hmm. Because you don't realize most of the time um, that how much we tend to fill in the blanks and add things on and shape things. But sometimes it's important to know what exactly was said, by whom, about what. And, for instance, um that would be very important today if you were a lawyer to look at exactly what the law says and exactly what this person did or did not do or did or did not say and exactly when it happened and so on, and um, that is it's as and I'm a trained pastor too and I've, I've spent over a decade in in uh, various roles of ministry and congregational pastoring and in sermon preparation and studying the Bible. That's a very important skill. Too, to say what actually does the Bible say. But that skill, anyhow, of close reading, whether you're going to do it for as a lawyer or a pastor or a literature literary critic, uh, it's very important there.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Critical thinking, really. I mean, that's what it comes down to, in a sense, is that you're helping. It's one way that um, we can help students learn to be more critical thinkers and more careful thinkers.
1: And that, that comes out as a result, uh, a natural byproduct uh, as, of what we're working on here. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. Very interesting. The
0: abstract and the empathetic thinking as well as you're really pondering and thinking about what words you're reading and what sentences yeah. you're digesting.
2: Yeah, yeah, very interesting. So, Stephen, how would you say that the um, the way LCA uh, teaches Latin is maybe different from other schools that might teach Latin?
1: You know, if you do a survey and look at diff- different schools that teach Latin, you'll see that there's a variety of ways that are done and, and, and of levels that are reached. So I would say, first of all, number one, we teach the we do teach um, the whole language. By that, I mean we don't just have a class in Latin roots, um, but we teach the kids to read Latin in Latin and to get them so they understand it there. Secondly, I would say that it's Latin is taught from a Christian worldview, so... Yes, we do learn about the ancient Greek uh, and Roman gods and goddesses. But whereas um, other courses might say, well, which God, which of the Roman gods would you like to be like? We would say, how would you compare and contrast a Roman god with the god of the, of the Bible? Excellent. And okay. then lastly, we d- do try to um, have, we have, we, we, def- we have interdisciplinary projects and other interdisciplinary things to help the kids make connections.
2: Okay. All right. We have to cut it off there. I'm so sorry, Stephen. It's been very interesting talking with you today. And we thank you for joining us. And we look forward to joining you next week on Education Nation. We invite our listeners to listen to this podcast or any other of our previous podcasts at ednationmn.org. That's ednationmn.org. And you can check us out on Facebook at Education Nation Radio or Twitter at Ed Nation Amen. Thanks for joining us. See you next week.